guess what? You guys are here on time and even early. We got a bonus song before the actual service starts. So I invite you to stand. We're going to sing Open Up the Heavens. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Sing your presence in this place, your presence in this place, your glory on our face. We're looking to the sky Descending like a cloud You're standing with us now Lord, unveil our eyes You're the reason You're the reason we're here You're the reason we're singing Open up the heavens We want to see Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Open up the heavens. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our praise. Show us your glory. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us. Show us your glory, show us, show us your power, show us, show us your glory, Lord. Sing, show us your glory. Show us, show us your glory, show us, show us your power, show us. Show us your glory, Lord. Oh. Open up the heavens. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our praise. 
Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Amen. And Lord, we do want to see you, and we pray that you would show us your glory, Lord, and your power. Lord, that you show that now in this place, uh, and that you would reveal yourself to us in a, in a fresh and new way. Thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Please be seated. Good morning to those that are here. Good morning to those that are online joining us this morning. We're so glad you could join us. Uh, there's a few announcements for you to know. Um, if you came in uh, the showroom this morning, you might have seen a lot of leaves and boxes. Uh, that's the beginning of our Stocktober. So all this month, we are going to be collecting uh, for the North Gore Food Bank. So if you'd like to drop off some things to fill up our boxes, then we will bring that to the North Gore Food Bank this month. Um, on October 16th, um, that, that's the weekend after Thanksgiving on the Saturday, we're going to be having a work day here at the church. So there's some jobs around the church that need to get uh, done and just, uh, yeah, a few things, get up on top of a few things, uh, some in the sanctuary, in the fellowship hall, in the, in the main building downstairs. And so um, we'd love for you to join us for a, a work bee kind of thing uh, from 12 to 4 that afternoon. And uh, you can sign up uh, online the same way that you sign up for church. You can sign up for the work uh, work day. Right after, straight after that, at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a barbecue uh, just as a fellowship time and a time to be together and thank you as well. And then because there's going to be a planned power outage on the Sunday, <laughs> on that uh, the day after the work day, um, I guess there's no power here from, I think, 8 till 4 uh, o'clock, we're going to have a service right after the barbecue. So... Uh, from 5 to 6 o'clock, we're going to have a service here. So you're welcome to join us for work day. You're welcome to join us for the barbecue and stay for the service. You're welcome just to come to the service <laughs> at 5. It's a pick and choose what kind of thing you want to do on that Saturday. <laughs> okay, so that's Saturday the 16th. Um, there's membership classes starting uh, this Monday on Zoom from 7 to 8. So if you'd like to join those, uh, send Dan an email or a text and he'll send you the link to that starting tomorrow on Monday. Uh, if you have little ones, the nursery is open for you to bring your kids down. The there's a live streaming of the service so you can let your kids play and you can watch the service at the same time uh, during the message if you want to do that. And we are taking a break from coffee for this week just to see how the flow is for, for two services and, um, and ins and outs and how much time we have between and all that. But coffee will resume next week, okay? <laughs> so for Thanksgiving. So... Because we have to thank God for coffee. Because it's <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. Hope you have a wonderful, blessed Sunday.
from uh, First Chronicles chapter 16, um, as sort of a call to worship. Uh, so I invite you to uh, just just focus on on the words from Scripture. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him, sing praise to Him, tell of all His wonderful acts, glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. And that's what we're uh, doing uh, this morning, coming before him, uh, declaring um, his, his glory and, and his good deeds and what he has done and his wonderful acts. And, uh, and Nathan is going to, uh, to introduce uh, some sharing of, of some of those things that the Lord has been doing uh, through some of the youth activities that have been going on. Yeah, so last weekend, you'll notice that a bunch of your teenagers weren't here. Uh, so Caden and Kyle, if you guys wander up here while I'm talking, that'd be cool. Um, so we, we went up to Silver Lake. I feel like I spent a lot of time there this summer. Uh, and so they had their Collide weekend because we didn't want to do it in June. We were worried it would end up being like an online thing again. So we bumped it to September, and it was really awesome because we were able to do a live thing. I think there was like 245 students there, which is more than they've ever had at anything ever, I'm pretty sure, was what they said. So it was super busy, super fun. Uh, Jacob didn't want to tell you about it, but he fell out of the tube really hard. There's a video on YouTube, or not on YouTube, on, uh, on Facebook. I don't know if I put it on the Cornerstone Connected page, but I will because I think everyone should see it. I saw the back of his life jacket when he went into the water, guys. The back of his life jacket was so good. And he didn't even cry, so it was great. Um, so I have Caden and, and Kyle here to tell you about their experience on the weekend and uh, I guess how God touched their lives and the great fun that they had. So Jacob or Kyle, since you were in the tube with Jacob when he fell out and you didn't fall out, uh, why don't you go first? Well, the hi, my name's Kyle. Oh. <laughs> Hi, my name's Kyle. I'm not good at speeches, so I'll be quick. Uh, at camp, uh, we did lots of games and had a lot of free time. Uh, so what the speaker talked about was instead of focusing on all the going to heaven, you should uh, try to bring heaven down to earth. And that us humans made earth not as, not as intended to be, uh, but we can fix that. Uh, and love each other, and hold up each other, and bring heaven down. What I took back was that I should love more and teach people about God, even if I don't look cool or popular, that I still should spread the word of Jesus dying on the cross, and about God's goodness. And people that are made to worship, and will worship anything, but will Truly be alive through worshiping God. All in all, the camp was really fun.
I'm Kaden. Um, uh, so I, when I was asked to talk about like Clyde, I like really didn't know what to say. Sorry. <laughs> um, and like I had a lot of fun. I've like never been to Silver Lake before, so it was like a awesome experience, and I really didn't know what to expect. So when I got there, it was like super fun, and everybody was super nice, and all the staff members worked so hard to make everybody have lots of fun. Um, Kevin, the past, well, sorry. I was really looking forward to the sermons, um, and the band was really good, and they made lots of music. Uh, they did lots of music, and it was awesome. And just, I really felt connected with God when they were singing and stuff, and like the songs and stuff, and I just really enjoyed that. Um, one of the things Kevin was talking about was like how like God doesn't care if you're cool or popular or weird. It's kind of just about what's on the inside that really matters. And that like meant a lot to me because like I'm not like the coolest, but like it's nice that um yeah. <laughs> um and it was just really awesome to hear that. Um another thing he was like, um sorry, uh scripts so I shouldn't um he was like just people were made to worship and it's not like about who um it's not about where or when you worship, it's kind of about who or what you worship. And like I and a lot of people worship different things. So like we need to make sure that we're worshiping God. And he's like people that worship money, they will like ruin their lives and do whatever it takes to get that. So I was just like thinking to myself when he was saying that, like, am I like worshiping God and if I'm like making sure like that's who I'm worshiping? And I don't know, a lot of the Kevin sermons like, spoke a lot to me. And like I'm really thankful for my experience at Collide. And I'm super excited to go back for the youth camp. Yeah. Cool. That was, those are not necessarily the things that spoke to me, although what Caden was saying at the end about that we're always going to be worshiping something and we need to make sure that we're worshiping God, which I think brings us back to Curtis very nicely. Take it away. Thank you. Thanks, Kyle and Caden. That was awesome to hear uh, more about how God's been working through you and in you and uh, some of the stuff that the youth of the church are experiencing. So uh, we're going to stand together. Uh, we're going to sing uh, what is a new song in terms of singing uh, in the services. Uh, it's called House of the Lord. Some of you may be familiar with it. Uh, it just talks about how there's, there's a lot of joy being in the house of the Lord and worshiping him together and uh, so we're going to do that and so because it's a little new we'll do verse one in the chorus and then we'll start up again with the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet, we'll shout at your praise. 
Lord, we thank you that you can satisfy all of those needs. Lord, we uh, we ask for your forgiveness when we've tried to find uh, satisfaction in other places other than you. Lord, we thank you that uh, you are faithful and that, that you are in To uh, a time of communion, and uh, that will be interspersed with uh, a a worship hymn. Um, so hopefully, everyone who's ready to take communion, uh, you have one of our little packs. Um, you know, it's it's noisy as you open it. There's never a good time to make that noise. So feel free now to uh, you know to you know to peel back that uh, that first little wafer bit. That's kind of the most, um, that's the hardest. Oh, and hands up if you don't have um, a little communion cup. Is there anyone who doesn't have a communion cup that would like one? If so, I see, I see that hand. That's $50, $75. Okay, good. I, I, I see some at the back. I see some over here. So thank you very much, Sharon. So over here. Yeah, perfect. And uh, if you can just keep your hands raised. Sharon will see you and she will bring it round to you. Uh, thanks, Leslie, for all your, all your work with the preparation of this. And, uh, yeah. All right, let's just, let's just quiet our hearts, you know. There's, you know, there's all this uh, excitement. It's 9 a.m. in the morning and we're worshiping God at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Like, what is that, you know, does that time even exist? And those of you who struggle to come in, normally, uh, you know, it's a 10 a.m. service, you know, you've had to squeeze it in even more. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for us to be hurried in our spirits. And so, you know, I would just encourage us to not to leave those things at the door, but to bring all of those things with us and to say to the Lord, it's, I just hand all of these things over to you right now. So, so I want each of us, uh, that thing which is on your brain now, that is kind of vying for your attention um, that is maybe challenging uh, you, um, why don't we just say, Jesus, it's yours, okay? And so let's just think of that thing, that, that one thing, maybe it's two. Let's just take five seconds to think of it. And after three seconds, we will say, Jesus, it's yours. Ready? Three, two, one. Jesus, it's yours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You who are walking in fellowship with God and who are in love and harmony with your neighbors and you who do sincerely repent of your sin and intend to lead a new life following the commands of God and walking from this time in his holy ways, draw near with faith 
and take this holy sacrament to your comfort and meekly make your humble confession to Almighty God. We're going to sing the uh, first verse and the chorus of a song now. And so if you have anything that you want to, to confess and just say, Lord, I know that this isn't right in my life. And I just want to let you know what you already know. Um, then you can do that as we sing this. Uh, so why don't we um, stand as, as we sing this first verse of the chorus. hear the Savior say, and I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness watch and pray, find in me thine all in and mercy. We thank you that you ever loved us and provided for our redemption. We thank you for your son who died to save us and for your spirit who invites us to draw near. Would you guide us now as we, as we commemorate, as we remember the suffering of our Lord. Help us to remember the cost of our salvation. Help us to remember the cost of our salvation. Help us to remember the cost of our salvation. Help us to share this time with you and with each other. And so, Lord, we ask that you would consecrate this bread and the cup, which are here prepared, that as we partake of them, we may receive the spiritual benefits of Christ's broken body and shed blood. In his name we pray, and all God's people say, Amen. 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 Lord, we do thank you for this bread and cup, which remind us of your great love for us as expressed in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so we draw near, we choose to come to you in humility and reverence, knowing that in you we will find forgiveness and comfort and hope and salvation now and forever. Amen. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. And so friends, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you, preserve your soul and body unto everlasting life. Take and eat this, remembering that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. Let's eat. Then he took the cup. And when 
he had, he had given thanks. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. So friends, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your soul and body unto everlasting life. Drink this, remembering that Christ's blood was shed for you, and be thankful. Now, I know that uh, Curtis and I had an understanding that we would pause between the bread and the cup. And I know that I totally didn't do that. And so what, what we will do now is we're just going to pretend that never happened. And uh, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Um, and, then, and then Curtis will um, lead us in the rest of the song. So uh, why don't we uh, stand as we say the Lord's Prayer, which will be up on the screen for you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We're going to continue in worship. Uh, we'll, we'll go to verse 3 of, uh, of Jesus Paid It All. And as we sing uh, this and before we, uh, we prepare for the sermon, the children can be dismissed to their children's church program. And so uh, they can feel free to, uh, to make their way down now as we continue to sing. Before the throne.
left. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as. Lord, we thank you. at this idea from, um, uh, from skateboarding of um, landing a 540. Um, and we, we talked about uh, that when we first trust in Christ, we do a 180, but then it's tempting to um, allow other things in, things like religion or doing good stuff in, uh, and we think that they will save us or continue to save us, so we do a 360, but then God convicts us, and he will, because uh, that's what he, he does, and then he empowers us to face the right way again, and that's what we call landing of 540, the 180 plus 180 plus 180, and like many of us, the Galatians needed to return to the purity and the simplicity of the good news of Jesus, right? Now, this morning, we're going to leave the world of the skate park, and we're going to transition to the world of the classroom to uh, help us understand this morning's passage. And so I've called this morning's passage, uh, Show Jesus' Work. Show Jesus' Work. So, so please open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. 
And as you're turning there, as you're turning to uh, Galatians chapter 2, um, hands up if you've ever submitted maths homework. Has anyone here ever submitted maths homework? Yeah? Hands up um, if it's ever, or uh, answer me this, is it ever enough for you just to show the answers? Is it ever enough for you to hand in your work with just a list of the answers? Is that okay according to your teacher, yes or no? Okay, what do you need to show in addition to the answer? Anyone have any idea? You have to show your work, right? You have to show your work. And uh, what's true for maths um, is also true for the Bible, right? Is, is that, is that in, in maths, you show your work because you need to prove to your teacher that you understand, that you've internalized uh, you know, the principles and the processes. Um, now, in the Bible, if you hand in the right answer without showing your work, the Bible actually has a word or phrase for this, and it's called lip service. And so we read this in the Bible, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. They have the right answers, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is based uh, on merely human rules that they have been taught. So it's not enough to know the right answers. You've also got to show the work. But for us as Christians, we don't show our work. Whose work do we show? We show... Good job, youth pastor. You can keep your job. That's awesome. We show Jesus' work, right? So it's important for us to show Jesus' work. Let's, uh, let's start reading at Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. So 14 years have gone by, okay? Hands up if you're over 14, Okay, so you know how long 14 is. For some of you, it's a, very, it's a very close memory. But 14 years has gone by since Paul last went to Jerusalem, right? And we looked at this last week. And this time, uh, and last time he went to meet with Peter and with James. This time he's taking a guy called Barnabas with him. Now, Barnabas wasn't actually his name. This was a nickname. His real name was actually Joseph. And Joseph, or Joseph, was a Levite from the island of Crete, and which is in the Mediterranean Sea between Turkey and Greece and uh, um, Egypt, and I need to cons- and Libya. Okay, so it was right there in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. That's where he's from, and his nickname, Joseph's nickname, Barnabas, means son of prophecy or son of encouragement, and so. Uh, And then we see in Acts chapter 11, verse number 24, that Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Uh, While earlier in Acts, we find out that Barnabas sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet so that he could help those in financial need, right? So he sounds like a great guy to have around. He was also uh, the cousin of John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, And both cousins, both John Mark and Barnabas, later actually join in with Paul on one of his missionary journeys. Let's keep reading. I took Titus along also. So there's there's Barnabas on this road trip with Paul. There's also Titus. Well, what do we know about Titus? Not actually that much, but what we do know is that he was a Greek, 
unlike Barnabas, who was a Levite, who was a Jewish Levite. And elsewhere, Paul refers to Titus as, uh, as his true son in the common faith and as his partner and co-worker. And so Paul clearly has a deep love and respect yeah, for Titus. So we've got this Jewish Levite from Crete called Barnabas, and we've got this Gentile Greek called, called Titus, all road-tripping it to Jerusalem. Okay, but why? Why are they going to Jerusalem after 14 years? Why is Paul returning after 14 years? Verse 2 actually tells us, I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. So Paul wanted to make sure that his message lined up with their message because it's been 14 years since they met up and 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 so during this time Paul has most likely been planting churches in in places like Antioch which is in Syria and in Tarsus his hometown which is in the province of Cilicia um, both of which are far from Jerusalem and so Paul feels led to make sure that they're all on the same page, that they're all preaching the same thing. And here is why. Acts chapter 15 actually tells us why he wanted to make sure that they were all all on the same page. Uh, It says certain people came down from Judea, where Jerusalem is, to to Antioch. It's it's weird because in my mind, you know, down means south and up means north. But here they, they say that they're going down to Antioch even though Antioch's actually north of Jerusalem. Maybe that's because, in their mind, Jerusalem was central. Um, it really doesn't matter. I, it just If you're having a map in your mind, Antioch's up here, Jerusalem's down here. Um, and they were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And this group were known as the Judaizers. Everyone say Judaizers. Judaizers, and they were muscling in on Paul's turf in Antioch, and they were teaching the believers what we call a heresy, an untruth, that you need Jesus plus circumcision. And so they're trying to re-Jewish their, their, um, they're trying to re-Jewish the Christian faith. Uh, in a sense, you know, they're trying to take people back to the roots, which might not sound such a bad thing. You know, I know that there's lots of people here who like to know what their ancestry is from, um, uh, where they come from. So finding out our our roots isn't a bad thing. But here's why for them, taking the Christian faith back to its Jewish roots was a bad thing. Here's why. Um, Because what they were doing was a bit like telling someone who's applied for NASA and they have a PhD in astrophysics, okay, so it's a bit like um, saying to them, not only do you need your PhD in astrophysics, you also have to prove that you've got your kindergarten certificate, okay? If if you need a PhD, was there someone who said something? No? Okay. So, but if you have a PhD, you know, the principle is that you don't need a kindergarten certificate, you need to have gone through kindergarten at some point in order to get to the place where you have the PhD, but you don't show the paperwork. It's not necessary. And if you have Jesus, then you don't need circumcision. 
And so Acts chapter 15 tells us that Paul and Barnabas and these Judaizers actually get into it up in the city of Antioch. Um, And then it says that Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem. Uh, One of those other believers would have been, of course, Mr. Titus. And they were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. And so they travel this 700 kilometers from Antioch to Jerusalem. to Jerusalem to see who is right, Paul or the Judaizers. And this is what Paul means when in Galatians, he says, I wanted to be sure that I was not running or had not been running my race in vain. Okay? So they're there in Jerusalem uh, with the church leadership, and Paul makes his case in Acts chapter 15. And then the leadership talk, and they're processing, and they're you know trying to work out What is the truth of things? And then Simon Peter stands up, and you can read this in Acts chapter 15. Simon Peter stands up and he reminds everyone there of that time when he witnessed the Gentiles being filled with the Holy Spirit in the house of Cornelius. And Simon Peter says this. He said, God did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts through faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we or our ancestors have been able to bear. No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ or of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Amen. And so Simon Peter or Cephas is saying, uh, Paul is right. Jesus alone is enough. This thing he's been preaching for 14 years is actually right. And, uh, and I think, I don't know if this is true, but I think that maybe Titus was there as a test case because he was an uncircumcised Gentile, right? And so I imagine that maybe on the journey down that 700 kilometers, which for Titus was probably a long 700 kilometers, because I imagine that maybe Paul at some point said, depending on the outcome of this meeting, you might need a bit of day surgery. He wasn't sure, but I think that maybe that's what happened. But then Paul writes, yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. So the PhD fulfills the kindergarten requirement, and Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus alone is enough for salvation. Circumcision is no longer needed. And so Paul is giving the Galatian church later now this history lesson because because they're currently working through this circumcision issue in their own churches. And Paul is saying, guys, you don't have to talk about it anymore. It's moot. We've already had the conversation over in Jerusalem. Uh, Cornelius' household has already been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they weren't circumcised. And so Paul's saying, next item on the agenda, please. He's through with this. And of course, Titus breathes a sigh of relief. Now, let's say that uh, you're at school and uh, someone in your class contracts COVID, okay? Which, uh, of course, that's very much in the top of our mind at the moment with some of our local schools. And you're in this class and you're considered a close contact, which is another one of these phrases that we didn't know 18 months ago and now we use it all the time, right? You're a close contact. And so your class is sent home, let's say, you know, for two weeks. I know it doesn't have to be two weeks, but for the sake of my story, it's, it will be two weeks. But and before you go home, uh, your maths teacher generously 
kindly, magnanimously gives you a stack of algebra questions that is that thick and says this should keep you out of trouble for the next 14 days until things um, until you're able to come back. And the teacher says to you, though, uh, you know, you don't have to worry because I'm going to be online every day at 10 a.m. to provide any assistance that you need. If you have any questions, you can jump onto Google Classrooms and you can ask me and I will help you out. So you go home with your sheets and you look at them, it's that thick, and you're thinking, man, I hate algebra with a vengeance. It's my least favorite thing in the whole world, but I'm glad that I have my teacher to help me out on Google Classrooms every day. But during that first night, there's a storm to end all storms. There's a power outage. You you have trees down and the power lines are down and it is just utter chaos in the whole area. Not just your street, but in the whole area. And, uh, And you... You know, you know, we all jump online and we look to see when are things going to be restored. And they say it's going to take at least 14 days for the power to be restored. And you realize that there is no way for your teacher to help you at all. And so you cry a little and you feel really sorry for yourself. And then after that, you know, you actually say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try on my own to get through the algebra questions. And so on your own with zero internet and zero help from your teacher, you start going through the algebra questions. And at the beginning, you make a lot of mistakes and there's, you know, rubbing out marks and there's crossings out and lots of red, but you keep on going and you persevere and you persevere and you persevere. And even though it takes you way longer than it would have if you had the help of your teacher, you finally get through that thick stack to the last Um, sheet and you finish that last sheet and you've gone through every single one of the problems and that takes you probably 13 days and then day 14 starts and the power's back on and that and uh, you are no longer quarantined and it's time to go back to school and and you're in school and you're sat at your desk and you're looking at teacher and without uh without a pause you know your teacher the first thing uh she says is um you know Let's have a look at how your algebra homework went, you know, and so your heart sinks. And, and then your teacher goes through each of the questions and reads out her answers, and uh, you're listening and you're checking your answers with her answers. And when it comes to the end of this massive stat, which takes the whole class, it's, it's a double period, takes the whole, uh, whole time, and, and you come to the end and you realize that you got every single one of the answers absolutely right. And not only that, but as your teacher is showing you the work, uh, you know, on the board, you realize that you took exactly the same steps that she did, and you came to exactly the same conclusion using the exact same process each and every time. And so, and so in shock, you walk up to your teacher at the end of class, and you show her your work And she's just as amazed as you are because she knows what you like at maths. And it's not your favorite thing. And so, friends, that story is is to say to us that Paul is writing to the church in Galatia who were dealing with this issue of circumcision and salvation. And Paul is saying to them, in effect, during those 14 years away from everyone, I worked out the solution um, of sin myself on my own without the leadership of the church, 
in Jerusalem. It was just me and Jesus, and our answers matched, which is amazing. Just him and Jesus for 14 years, and they worked it out. But it's actually important that it wasn't just Paul, right? Paul had Jesus with him. Um, And this really makes all of the difference, that Jesus revealed the answers to Paul. How do we know that Jesus revealed the answers to Paul? Well, it says back in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I didn't hear it from anyone else. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And in fact, even, even before Paul's ministry starts, when he's still a sinner, um, or he's just going through that salvation moment, um, God shows up to this guy called Ananias, and he says, go, this, is my cho- this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. This is another revelation. And then in verse 2 of chapter 2, Paul finally says, I went to Jerusalem in response to what? A revelation, right? So Jesus has been coaching Paul the whole time. If he'd have been in class with Paul, Jesus would have got into trouble because he was passing Paul the answers. He was passing Paul the answers all the time. And so, and so when Paul goes to Jerusalem to tell uh, you know, them that Jesus alone is enough, he's not really showing his work. Instead, he's showing Jesus' work. Paul only copied it. Verse 4, this matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom. Listen to that language there, right? This is malicious malevolence, right? Uh, Some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves, you know, to take us back to kindergarten. Now, one of the tactics of, you know, the bully in the classroom is to undermine your confidence, right? Maybe you've had this experience where someone has looked at your answers, they've gone, your answers, those are rubbish. Those are wrong. You've messed up. You've screwed up. I can't believe that you thought that that was the answer. You're such an idiot, right? Verse 5, this is what happened. And Paul says, we did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you, right? So Paul held on in the face, in, you know, in the face of opposition. Because here's the thing, right? Is that if Paul has already received the right answer from Jesus, then who, whoever the bully is in the classroom, they cannot shake Paul's um, certainty that he has the right answer. Verse 6, as for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. I love Paul's tone here. You know, it's, I don't know, is this humble and Christ-like? I don't know. Because he's saying, you know, Jesus already told me the answer. And so, but if the Jewish leaders want to go ahead and check my work and tell me that I've already done it right, then that's fine with me, right? But he already knows. He's already absolutely sure of it. And so they do, and they check his work, and they say that it checks out. Then Paul goes ahead and gets this massive A+, while the Judaizers get an F-, minus. you know, it, it's a fail. Um, now, you would think that this would be the end of the story, but you'd be wrong. Because even though the Judaizers were failed in Jerusalem, they had this massive red F, 
across their sheet. They were still taking their wrong answer sheets, you know, to other people and saying, it's right, it's right, it's right. You should look at this. We know what we're talking about. And, uh, and so that's what they were doing in the Galatian church. Uh, and so Paul is saying, don't believe those who tell you that the gospel message is complicated. If they come to you and say, Jesus plus circumcision minus church minus bad friends plus being nice minus swearing minus Old Testament law plus tithing uh, plus living in the right neighborhood uh, minus social media addiction uh, plus volunteering equals everything. If they come to you and tell you that, um, you can say to them, no, because Paul said, no, that's wrong because I have the right answer. It was handed to me by Jesus and it was confirmed by the Jerusalem council. And so instead of this, what we can say, and these are the words of Mr. Tulian Shividian, he said this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Why don't we say that together? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so for 14 years, Jesus has been passing Paul these notes in class, and it said the same thing every single time. This is the equation. Me plus nothing equals everything. Me plus nothing equals everything. He would look at it. Me plus nothing equals everything. And so the Jerusalem Council merely affirmed what Paul already knew. They added nothing to his message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching um, the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Where that when they recognized the grace given to me, they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. And so Paul and Barnabas take their Jesus plus nothing equals everything answer sheets that Jesus handed to them and uh, said, we will show this to the Gentiles. And then Peter and James take their Jesus plus nothing equals everything answer sheet and they say, we're going to take this to the Jews. Just everyone make sure you look after the poor, okay? And they all nod and they go their separate ways. Just like the Galatians had a class bully, we have a class bully, and his name is Satan. And just like the Judaizers, Satan has been proved wrong. He knows he has the wrong answer sheet, but just like the Judaizers, he still insists on sneaking around, spying on our freedom, and trying to make us slaves again. But what we have to remember is this, that Satan is the father of lies, and he only wants to steal and kill and destroy and he is never happier than when he snares you with a false answer sheet, hoping to get you to second-guess the truth that Jesus is enough, that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is all that we need. And he's fooled so many people into the wor in the world into thinking that if you want to have life in Jesus, or if you want to have life in God, then you need to practice karma, or you need to do the five... You know, you know, you're the five pillars, or you need to go on a pilgrimage, or you need to pray so many times a day, or you need to try to be a good person, or you need to hope that your good deeds outweigh the bad, or you need to go to church, or whatever. 
But when we believe Satan, when we believe his lies, what we're doing, friends, is we're looking at the wrong answer sheet and thinking it's true. And Satan lies super confidently. And one of his most successful lies has been to convince planet Earth to, to, to trust or to believe that it's arrogance to believe that you have the right answer. That if you believe that Jesus is the only way, then you are arrogant and you are proud. That's one of Satan's most successful lies. And Satan knows that's not true. He knows that his answer sheet is rubbish because on the cross, Jesus proved him wrong forever and ever. And so all he has left, friends, are lies. And so you sat at the back of the classroom and uh, God's at the front of the classroom and you look at your answer sheet, all of your attempts to figure out what life is all about, uh, how to get into, goods and into God's good books, and the page is really dirty and smudged um, with, with equations and with crossouts and with scribbles. Uh, you know, Jesus plus good deeds equals everything. No, that's not it. Jesus minus screwing up equals everything. No. And it's wrinkled and it's messy. And uh, because and and it's it's all scrunched up, it's wrinkly because so many times you've scrunched it up and you've thrown it into the garbage, only to pull it out and to stretch it out again. Going, I'm going to give it another go. I'm going to give it another go. There has to be an answer because what else are you going to do with life? And then you look up and you see God sat there at the front of the classroom, and you know that sooner or later you've got to hand in something but it's messy and it's embarrassing and, it's, and you know in your heart of hearts that it's wrong, but now's the time and so you stand up and you start your slow walk to the front of the classroom and you think maybe, maybe, maybe God will give me a D minus. And you start walking towards the front of the classroom, your heart is sinking and Satan, you know the class bully is over there and he's, he's encouraging you. He's saying, that's right, you got it right. He will love that. He will be so proud of your answers. That's A-plus material if ever I saw it. And you know that's not true in your heart. You know that's not true. But as you're walking past one of the desks, a gentle hand rests on yours. And you stop and you look down. And you see Jesus. And he kind of mimes for you to come closer. And as you bend down, he whispers in your ear. He says, here. Hand this in instead. And you look at your sheet all messy and, and scribbled out and scrunched up. All, you know, yeah, filthy with all of your attempts to try to solve life's problems. And then you look at Jesus' sheet and it's clean and it's crisp with not a fold in it. And it says one thing written in the middle, neatly written. And it says me plus nothing equals everything. And it's signed by Jesus at the bottom of the page. And you think to yourself, it cannot be that simple. There's got to be more than this. And Jesus sees you wrestling in your mind and your heart. And he whispers to you, he says, I'm all that you need. Why don't you give me your dirty sheet of paper filled with the wrong equations and the wrong answers? And why don't you take this to Father God instead? And you look into his eyes and you see his love and his compassion. You see truth. And in faith, you hand him your sheet of pathetic efforts. And in faith, you take Jesus' solution. You take his work and you start 
walking to the front of the classroom again and Satan starts whispering, don't be an idiot. You know it's more complicated than Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He says, why don't you take my sheet, hand this one in, it's much, much better than his. Look, it's, it's filled on the front and the back, there's so much there. Something in there has to be true, has to be right. And you ignore him as you keep walking forward and Satan starts to panic. You can't hand in someone else's work, that's cheating. You've got to hand in your own work. And eventually you make it all the way to the front and you hand in with trembling hands Jesus' completed work. And God looks at it and he says to you, did you do this yourself? Is this your work? <laughs> and you look back at Jesus and he gives you the thumbs up and says, it's okay, it's okay. And so you risk being honest with God and you say to him, actually, no, Jesus did it all. None of this is my work. And God takes it and he smiles and he writes on the top of the sheet in big red writing, A plus, excellent work. Now go tell the rest of the class. Let's pray. Lord, your grace is so incredible. And Lord, we hand over our, our filthy sheets filled with our own attempts to solve the equations of life. And Lord, in faith once again, we take that sheet that says Jesus plus nothing equals everything, Lord, that you are the answer, that we don't need to go back to kindergarten. We don't need to go back to the law or to religion. Instead, Lord, through, through faith, trusting that you have done the work for us, we can go up to your Father with full confidence and say, this is Jesus' work. I'm showing you Jesus' work. And, Lord, you say, that's all that I need. Lord, Lord, for those of us here this morning who are still uh, holding on to those scrunched-up, filthy-looking pieces of, uh, piece of paper with all our own attempts, Lord, would we repent of that? Would we stop that, Lord God? Would we do that, that 180, and trust you and know that Jesus plus nothing equals everything? Amen. Amen. And if there's anyone here this morning who you know that, uh, that you are one of, those, one of those people, please come speak to me afterwards. I would love you, I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Let's sing. We're going to stand together as we close the service. We're going to sing, Yet Not I, But Christ, But Through Christ in Me, um, acknowledging that it's, it's nothing that we do, but it's, my hope is only Jesus. What gift of grace What gift of grace Is Jesus my Redeemer There is no more For heaven now to give joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus.
Till I stand 
race is complete. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, and not I, but through Christ in me. Yeah, not I, but through Christ Lord, we thank you for this truth and this reminder that our hope is only Jesus. Lord, and it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Lord, let us go forward in this week with that truth on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so for those who are uh, here in person, remember that there is another service coming in at 11. So I think, you know, feel free to have some fellowship without coffee for this week. Um, and then maybe like 22 or something, just try and... Make your way out. Uh, if you didn't see the, the giving box at the back, that's always available as well if you didn't see that on the way in. God bless you.